0: Today we're back to our Mission 27 study, though. This is our journey through the 27 books of the New Testament. How many of you are enjoying that? How many of you are actually reading? You're doing it? Come on, hands are up. I want to implore you. I can get up here, I can say whatever, I can do a little dance, I can tell an amazing joke. I mean, that hasn't happened yet in the 15 years, but I could do that. You never know what's going to happen. But... It's you being in the Word, especially, I mean, every day, but especially during this Mission 27. The secret sauce to Mission 27 is you reading every one of these books of the New Testament as we're going through them. That's the secret sauce. That's where the growth comes. That's where the eyes are open. That's where life happens. So please, I implore you, don't just blow it off. I'm going to, I'll say this, the most important thing you can do this week is, first of all, love God and love others. Second most important, I'm going to throw it out there, is do your part in Mission 27. Be in the Word. God will work in and through that. So, two weeks ago, we launched into the books that are associated with the Apostle Paul, and we started with the Gospel of Luke. And if you're kind of new to Mission 27 and you're wondering what does the Gospel of Luke have to do with the Apostle Paul, then watch the sermon from two weeks ago because we're moving forward right now. And today we're going to dive into the exciting book of Acts. The book of Acts. It's one of my favorite books of the entire Bible because it's simple. It just lays it out for us. Here's what the church does. It's that simple. I need it that simple. I'm looking at some of y'all out there, especially you guys. I'm like, y'all need it that simple too, all right? So you're going to enjoy this week, the next couple of weeks, as we're in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Luke is writing this. The same guy that wrote the Gospel of Luke. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, remember the, the great, amazing, majesty, whatever, wise Theophilus, the, the, the leader um, in, in Rome there. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all about that that Jesus began to do and teach. So he's talking about his gospel. I wrote all about Jesus, about what he did, about what he taught until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So Acts, the book of Acts is really a continuation of the gospel of Luke. It's the rest of the story. It's like you got the Gospel of Luke. It's like here's everything that Jesus did. And then Jesus takes the baton and he hands it off to his church and says, Now it's your turn to run. And so we see Jesus running his leg of the race while he was incarnate on this earth in the Gospel of Luke. We see that. And then we see in the book of Acts, the church taking the baton and running our leg of the race. And this is still our leg of the race. So this book is should should you should be perking your ears up, man You should be listening and paying attention because this is still our leg of the race We have the baton right now Luke wrote his gospel to show everything that Jesus didn't taught and then he wrote the book of Acts to reveal that the Lord And what he's continuing to do through his church through the Holy Spirit We're going to hear more about that God working through the Holy Spirit in his church Acts is a clear, it's a practical picture of what it looks like to be the church, what it looks like to be part of the church, and to know who we are and what we should be doing and how we should be living. Acts answers this question. This is the title of of part one of the book of Acts. It answers this question I'm a Christian, now what? So there's the title, and there's the question. That this study in this book of Acts answers I'm a Christian I have decided to follow Jesus now what what do I do some of you have been walking with Jesus You, you said 30 years ago I've decided to follow Jesus and you're still like now what all right well let's let's look at the book of Acts this week and next week and we're gonna find out what that means so what does it mean to be the church Acts reveals several things. We're going to look at at lesson number one. Lesson number one about from the book of Acts, what does it mean to be the church, is this. It it means ordinary people doing extraordinary things. How many of you are ordinary people? Okay, those of you who didn't raise your hands, I want to talk to you later. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm ready to meet some extraordinary people. But anyway, you all are extraordinary. You're also very very good looking today, too. You you, you look great. Um, But... The book of Acts, it's a picture of ordinary people doing extra things. Remember the early followers of Jesus? Jesus was in Capernaum, right there on the Sea of Galilee, Lake Gennesaret, as, as, as Luke called it, a lake, right? And, and he, he calls his first disciples. He says, follow me. And who did he call? He called fishermen, like guys who do stinky work and are out on a boat and and catching fish, just ordinary guys that he calls. And he says, come follow me. There's a lot of his, his disciples. We don't know exactly what they did for a living, but we know that they weren't government leaders. They weren't movie stars. They weren't professional athletes. One was an IRS agent. That was Matthew, right? Now everybody's like, yeah, I don't know about that guy, I don't know. I think that's amazing that the, Jesus would allow an IRS agent to like follow him around everywhere he went and be one of his disciples. I mean, he's got more faith than I do, a little more love. Anyway, just saying. But it was really young men and women, just ordinary people that Jesus called to follow him. Not the rich and the famous. Acts 4 verse 13 says that they were unschooled ordinary men. Ordinary people. Ordinary people launched the church. And God is still using ordinary people in his church. But these ordinary people had one thing in common. Faith. Faith they had a willing faith they had a trusting faith they had an all in faith again jesus says come follow me and they dropped everything and they followed jesus okay we will follow you wherever you go these ordinary people had faith in 2nd chronicles 16:9 it says for the eyes of the lord range to and fro throughout the earth to do what? To strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Jesus is walking along the shores the Sea of Galilee and He finds some people whose hearts are for God. And He calls them and they say, we're all yours. And then He strengthens them to use them for great Mighty amazing things to launch his church God took ordinary men and women whose hearts were fully committed to him and he showed himself strong in them He baptized them in the Holy Spirit. He used them to bring his kingdom. He used them to start and to build his church So again, I'm a Christian now what I'm just an ordinary dude who said yes to Jesus Now what? Where's this going? God is still choosing ordinary people like you and me. He's he's chosen you. Are you a follower of Jesus? He's chosen you to be his church and to build his church and to grow his church. He's chosen you. Just regular people. But people who show up. People who give their lives to God. People who come alongside of His plans and His purposes. That's who He's always used. And that's who He continues to use. People who drop what they used to be doing and get alongside and behind what God is doing. Those are the people that God uses to build, to grow. To mature his church. People who who realize it's not about my business anymore. And I'm not just going to be about my business anymore. I have a higher calling. I'm following God. And I'm going to be about his business. See, God uses people who have that moment where they change their mind. That change of thinking. Where, where we realize that whatever it is we've been chasing after is chump change, man. Because we're chasing after Jesus now. When we get to that place and we're sincere about it, look out. Because God's about ready to use you for some extraordinary God-sized kingdom of heaven kind of stuff. But how do ordinary people do extraordinary God-sized things I ask that about myself all the time God, what are you doing with me? How does this happen Remember Jesus said this about his church. He said very truly I tell you first of all Jesus shouldn't have to say very truly but some of us we got thick heads and we need him to say hey listen This is this is real. This is true and he says, very truly, I, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Because I'm going to the Father, because you're leaving us, we're going to do greater things because, because you're going up to heaven and leaving us here. What, what's up with that? Yet Jesus said, hey, you're going to do the things I've been doing. Now, how many of you know Jesus did, did some pretty incredible things when he walked on this earth? All right. He healed a lot of people, miracles, supernatural, raising the dead, bringing the kingdom, the ministry of reconciliation, which happens to be our ministry as well. Those are some big things, like eternal kind of things. But how? How does this all happen? Check out, though. Check out this continuity between what we find in the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of of the church. This commonality, this continuity that we find. See, the book of Acts reveals that the continuity, the commonality between the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of His church is found in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the continuity. That's why Jesus can tell His church, you're going to do what I was doing and even greater things than that. Because Jesus understood the continuity. He understood that His church would have exactly what He had when He walked on this earth and ministered on this earth. And that's that His church wouldn't be walking in their own power, in their own wisdom, in their own strength, but His church would be walking in the power and the strength and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was baptized, Go back to the Gospels, read about it. Jesus was baptized, He came out of the waters of baptism, and the Holy Spirit came on Him and launched Him into His earthly ministry. Of all those amazing things that we we read about, Jesus, and all that incredible teaching, and all that amazing fruit of the ministry of Christ Jesus, came out of the Holy Spirit coming upon Him. So both the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the early church began with this important encounter the coming out of the Holy Spirit and we find that happening to the church in Acts chapter 2 verse 4 and we read this. This was the day of Pentecost it says that all of them. How many of the believers all of them all of them that were together in that upper room at the place where Jesus told them to be waiting for what Jesus told them to wait for, the gift, the Holy Spirit. And all of them that were waiting in faith for what Jesus had promised, He's a promise-making and a promise-keeping God, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I'm a Christian. Now what? Acts demonstrates that a common aspect of normal Christian living is spiritual power. But that power doesn't come from ourselves. It doesn't come from our own wisdom. It doesn't come from us whipping it up or anything like that. You know, that power comes from God Himself. It comes from the coming on of God. It comes from the baptism of Of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer I'm a Christian now what well what did what do Christians do we pray and we fast and we wait for what God has for us and what he's gonna do in us and through us I'm a Christian now what they lived and believed in such a way that they actually participated in miracles and in the kind of ministry that Jesus did when he walked on this earth so again The book of Acts, as you're going to be reading this week and reading through next week, is a depiction of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Just like the Gospel of Mark talks about at the end of the Gospel of Mark in chapter 16, beginning verse 17. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. I think there's a lot of us in the church who need this message right now. Even as I was praying earlier, I don't know why I prayed. I just prayed that we would be stirred up a little bit, that maybe we're kind of in the doldrums, just kind of going through the motions. And it's easy to get there. It's easy to get into a rut. It's easy to go through the motions and just to be like, well, this is just how it is. And we get up the next day and we just do the next thing and we just are trudging through life. And we forget that we are a peculiar people, that we are God's people. And that we're called to do God-sized stuff. And that we're empowered to do these things by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. It's said that the book of Acts is the story of the disciples of Jesus receiving what Jesus received in order to do what Jesus did. That's who we are. We are His church, His people, receiving what Jesus received. And then doing what Jesus did. I'm a Christian, now what? Receive what Jesus received. Do what Jesus did. But I'm just an ordinary dude right exactly that's the point but why what's the purpose for these extraordinary things is it just for a big show is it just to to get a bunch of attention is it for goosebumps i mean why what what's up with with the god stuff and the supernatural and the doing what jesus did kind of stuff why 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 do we need the power of God to come on us? Why do we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our lives? What's this all for anyway? Acts 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So when will you receive power? When the Holy Spirit comes on you. When God comes on you, you will receive power. And, for what purpose? You will be my witnesses. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's your hometown in Judea, and that's your, like, you know, the surrounding towns, maybe the state you live in, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So again, I'm a Christian, now what? Now what? You know, when we talk about the Holy Spirit coming on us, we typically focus on the gifts of the Spirit. And we should talk about the gifts of the Spirit. We should expect the gifts of the Spirit. We should operate in the gifts of the Spirit. When we think about the Holy Spirit coming on us, we typically think of of tongues and prophecy and miracles when we talk about the Holy Spirit. But Acts reveals this. As you read through the book of Acts, you're going to see that the primary purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is to share the gospel of Jesus with boldness and effectiveness. That is the primary purpose for being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And yeah, there's going to be tongues and prophecy and miracles. And we're going to lay hands on the sick. They're going to get well. Yes, yes, yes. But the primary purpose, the primary concern for God. Pouring out his power in and through his church is so that the gospel of Jesus would be proclaimed so that Jesus would receive the reward of his suffering so the lost would be found and saved and so that the church would do the ministry of reconciliation. That's the primary purpose. And when you read through the book of Acts, cover to cover, hopefully a couple times in the next two weeks, you're going to see it just jumping off the pages at you and stirring you up to make sure, man, I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. And if you're not, then let's, let's get you baptized in the Holy Spirit, that the power of God will come on you, that you would speak the name of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus boldly everywhere you go and to everyone that God places in front of you. And signs and wonders also will accompany those who believe. Bonus. So when Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, what did he do? First of all, he went from a man who was denying even any kind of association with Jesus to a man that walked out of that room, walked into a crowded Jerusalem when the streets were crowded with people, and what was the first thing that he did? He preached the gospel of Jesus, and Scripture says in Acts, he preached it boldly. And what was the result of this man who the Holy Spirit had just come upon and filled with power, who then walked out and preached the gospel with boldness? The result was 3,000 people came to Christ and were baptized into Christ Jesus that day. 3,000. 3,000 from the pit of darkness and hell into the marvelous light of eternity with God through Christ Jesus. That's power. That's the power of God at work through the church. I'm a Christian. Now what? Now what? Acts 2.14 says, Peter stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice. Wasn't mousey. Wasn't Apollo? Oh, yeah, you know yeah, I am that guy who followed Jesus, and maybe you ought to think about it. No, no, no. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Then check out in Acts chapter 4. Another example, verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. So again, the believers were all together in one place. And they were praying. Y'all, I'm going to go and tell you, if you don't get together with the church in prayer meetings, you're missing stuff. I'm just being real. I'm just being real. Well, I come on Sunday, you know, two, three, four out of four Sundays, whatever, you know, that should be enough. I'm just saying, you know. More time I spend with my wife, the more exciting things that I get to experience with her. That's all I'm saying. The more time that we spend in the presence of God together, the more excitement, the more things that we get to see and experience with him. That's all the men are like, amen. Anyway. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit And what did they do as a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit? And they spoke the Word of God boldly. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. The room was shaken. God showed up. He came upon His church. And the the response was they preached. They spoke the Word of God boldly. We need a church that is baptized in the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to come on the church in our time and in our season. Why? Because we need the gospel of jesus preached boldly in our land because people are going to hell families are ripped apart people are messed up it's a wreck out there people need jesus how will they know unless someone tells them how beautiful are the feet of those who are baptized in the holy spirit and boldly preaching the word i'm paraphrasing it but that's what the word of god says Corporate prayer leads to the move of the Holy Spirit. We've seen it two times already in a couple chapters in the book of Acts, giving us the picture of what the early church, how we're supposed to act and interact, and what we're supposed to be doing with our lives now, how we're supposed to be the church, prayer meetings, God showing up, baptism of the Holy Spirit, boldness to preach the gospel, and people coming to Christ. It's a pretty simple formula there it's not that complicated by the way the phrase filled with the Holy Spirit is used also to describe nearly every single person as you're reading through the book of Acts these next two weeks you're going to find every single person that that God used in, in a big miraculous way you're going to read about Stephen it says Stephen filled with the Spirit of God preached boldly was stoned to death was smiling, forgiving those who, who, who killed him. And he sees Jesus standing, giving him a standing ovation as then he's ushered into heaven. Philip, who's, who's walking along with the eunuch, right? The Ethiopian. And, and the guy's like, I don't understand Isaiah, man. This is crazy stuff. And, and Philip says, well, let me boldly tell you what this is. And he, and he shows Jesus in Isaiah. This guy gets baptized. He said, why shouldn't I be baptized? I'm telling you what. The the response to being saved in Christ Jesus is to be baptized. It just is. And you're going to see that in the book of Acts as well. Be water baptized. And then what happened to Philip? This man says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, I'm telling you, it purposely God in the book of Acts had Luke saying, dude, this guy filled with the Spirit. Was used in this way by God. Philip gets done ministering to this Ethiopian, and then he gets like Star Trek zapped from one place to another. You know, beam me up, Scotty. Beam me up, Jesus. From the Holy Spirit, from one place to another, and he goes minister somewhere else. I mean, just amazing, amazing stuff. Paul filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Barnabas filled with the Holy Spirit. Fill the Spirit. Fill the Spirit. Fill with the Spirit. Fill with the Spirit. It's all over the place in the church. Look for that phrase in in Acts as you're reading through it. Remember, God's stuff doesn't happen in our own strength. Can I get an amen on that? All right? I mean, you might be brilliant and super talented, but God's stuff, like the stuff Jesus did, doesn't happen because we're all that in a bag of chips. It doesn't. God's stuff happens when God moves. That's when God's stuff happens. So I want you to ask yourself, I want you just to look at your own life even this week. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? You need a little refresher maybe even. Because look at your, look, look I've been doing this all week again. I get to do this all week. I got to wrestle with this all week long, okay? So I've been like, oh man, I need to be out there. I can, Lord, Anyway. Look at your life, though. Is there evidence found in your life that's presented in the book of Acts of what it looks like to be someone who the Holy Spirit has come upon? Are you preaching the gospel boldly, sharing Jesus boldly with those that God puts in front of you? Or are you hiding it? And I'm not saying this stuff to discourage you. I'm saying this stuff to challenge you because we all need to be challenged. We all need to be challenged. This world needs a church that is challenged and stirred up in embracing the things of God and being who we are, saying what we know, and giving what we have. So, There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But there can be some conviction and some challenge and and stirring up of those who are in Christ Jesus so that we can go, oh yeah, this is who I am. And this is is what God has for me. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him, just like those early disciples when Jesus said, come follow me, and they dropped everything, and they trusted him with their lives, their livelihood, with their families and their future. I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be that gal. I'm going to do that. Sometimes we need to be stirred up in that. As you read through the book of Acts, I believe you're going to be stirred as you see Oh, this. This is what it looks like. To follow Jesus lesson number three final lesson for today is this the book of Acts is a roadmap for Christian living how many of you need a map now you don't use real maps anymore like paper ones right You use your phone and if you're a guy you're like halfway there and you do not really know where you're going and then you tell your wife hey honey bring it up on the thing and then you're stressing her out and then you get in an argument and all that did any of y'all deal with that ever when you're all are driving somewhere no 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 My wife gets in the car now, she says, now if you want me to navigate, you better tell me right now. Tell me right now, because I don't want to hear last minute when you're all stressed out and and all of that. I don't don't need that right now. So, anyway. Book of Acts is a roadmap for Christian living. You know, a lot of people, I hear this all the time. Why Why can't, we need the church to be like the early church. I want to see the church like the early church. Why isn't the church like the early church? People want miracles. They want power. They want the move of God. They want revival. They want to see the, the thousands coming into Christ. They, they want to see God moving in that way. And they're like, why? We just need the church to be like the early church. Well, I would argue that if we want what the early church had, then we should probably live like the early church lived. Again, it's not complicated. If you want what the early church had, and you want to be part of what the early church was part of, then you probably should live like the early church lived and do what the early church did. It's really that simple. It's that simple. So again, I'm a Christian. Now what? Acts 2, beginning of verse 42. So this is my one of my favorite passages of scripture because again, I like to keep things simple. I'm just like, show me what I'm supposed to do, Lord. And he said, all right, I've got just a few little verses, a few sentences right here that will make it really simple for you, Eric. So Acts 2, 42 through 47 says this. It says this is what the early church did. You know those people who came out of the upper room, then those 3,000 that came to Christ, and they started gathering together, this is how they lived. I'm a Christian, now what? Well, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to this. And I'm going to tell you, the apostles' teaching isn't just the New Testament. Do you know what the apostles taught? The Old Testament. And they pointed to Jesus as the fulfillment of the Old Testament. That's exactly what I just talked about, what Philip did with the Ethiopian. He taught Isaiah to that Ethiopian, and showed Jesus as the fulfillment, and the guy comes to Christ like that. Dunk me in water, I'm ready to go, I'm all in. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And they did this together, by the way. They didn't have the written word available to every single person. They would gather together and somebody would read the word. And they would hear the word of God. And process the Word of God together I'm going to tell you processing God's Word together is a good thing and what else did they devote themselves to they devote themselves to the Apostles teaching and to fellowship meaning they gathered together they got together as the church as believers they did life together it's not just you and Jesus it sounds really spiritual, like you're, you're exalting Jesus, and he says, Yeah, but, but I gave you my church. But I don't need your church, Jesus. Oh, really? Oh, really? So I made a mistake, huh? I mean, think about that. So they devoted themselves to, to the Word of God, to, to fellowship." And also to the breaking of bread. And in this case, the breaking of bread was communion. The thing that Jesus said, do often in remembrance of me. And, and as a result, everyone, how many? Everyone who devoted themselves to these things, who did life together in this way, everyone was filled with at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles because things happen when God's people get together. All the believers were together, they were connected, not simply attending, but they were together. And together doesn't mean just in the same room once a week, every once in a while, it means they were together, united, unified, arm in arm. they had everything in common. They shared with one another. They cared for one another. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day. Every day. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. And they ate together. With glad and sincere hearts. Praising God, especially if you get, you know, if somebody invites you over and they give you, you know, like steak or, or, or. what are some of your other favorite ones? Shrimp, Alaskan king crab. I'll just, take, I'll just take a really good chicken fried steak, you know, that's what I'm saying. So if you all are really great at chicken fried steak, maybe you all need to invite pastor over, that's all I'm saying. I like chicken fried steak. Um they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Again, this is a roadmap to Christian living. I'm a Christian, now what? Oh, man, I want to I be part of what the early church was part of. Why don't we see that anymore? I'm a Christian, now what? Here it is right here. Here it is. You're going to read about what it means and to be part of the body of Christ, how to be part of the body of Christ, how to pray, how to evangelize, how to deal with conflict, how to stand up under persecution. We do this together, arm in arm, together. One can put a thousand to flight. It says there's a passage about this, this principle back in, in precept back in Deuteronomy. One can put a thousand to flight, but two arm in arm can send ten thousand fleeing. That's that's a multiple of ten. Just because we come together. Together is an integral component of Christian living. Do you know when you read through the book of Acts, check it out, you're going to find that almost every single miracle that you read about in the book of Acts happened when God's people were together. God shows up, things shake, people get freed from prison, amazing things happen. God's people together. God's people coming together. Together, big stuff happens. Together is how the body moves. Together is when the body experiences the move of God. Last week, how many of you here were here last week? We had our rapid fire Thanksgiving. We heard time and time again, just last week, so-and-so came up and they, they prayed for me during meet and greet, and the Lord healed me. So-and-so came up, they prayed for me. They prayed for me at prayer. I saw them, they prayed for me. When we're together, that's when this stuff happens. How many of you got prayed for last week and and you've experienced healing just from last week when we broke out in groups last week and you've experienced healing? We got, praise God. How many? Raise your hand. Two, three, four. Amen. When we're together, we come together. We minister together. God shows up and does what God does. He just does what... I'm a Christian, now what? There we are. There we are. Also, Acts reveals that being a Christian isn't simply just putting on a label or a title. Rather, it's a way of life. It's a new way of living. It's not just an add on to your life. You know, I got my MAGA hat and I got my Jesus is King hat. You know, what's that? You know, no. Not even in the same ballpark, not even the same universe. Not just a title, man, it's a whole new way of living. We're a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's what it looks like to be a Christian. In, in the book of Acts, it says that we're people of the way. We're people of Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, the way of God's kingdom. So are you living your life in this way? I pray that as you look through the book of Acts, as you're reading through the book of Acts, that you get stirred up and you get excited. Like, I I want that. I want to live that way. But you get so excited that you actually step out and walk in that and share that and do that and show up and be part of what you are blessed to be saved into, which is the church. The very people who God handed that baton to, who Jesus said, Okay, I'm going to be right hand of the Father. Now here you go. Here's the baton. He handed it to His church, which is the gathering of the saints. It's the people of God together, as we see in the book of Acts. Again, if you want what the early church had, then you probably should live like the early church lived. Schedule your life accordingly. And let's start walking in this stuff. So I'm going to conclude with this. We've got to remember how God took ordinary men and women and allows them and uses them for extraordinary things. These were people whose hearts were fully committed to. Him. Who said, I'm in. I'm going to do life your way. I'm going to do life your way. When he found those people who would do life his way, God is faithful. Promise-making and a promise-keeping God. And he showed himself strong in them, and through them. And God hasn't changed. God is God. His ways have not changed. And God continues to look to and fro throughout the earth for those who are fully committed to Him. And when He finds those people, He shows Himself strong in them. He strengthens them for His work and His purposes. I want to be that people, man. I want to be that people more and more, that people. This is what Christian life looks like. So as you read through the book of Acts, see yourself living this way. But let it go from just wishful thinking. Man, I wish life was that way. I wish church was that way. I wish I was involved. Let it go from wishful thinking to actually doing and stepping into it. Let's begin by just standing up right now as we close.